Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of John, first chapter, in the 19th verse. If you have your Bible, you may follow me in the reading. And this is the witness of John when the Jews sent him priest and Levite from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, and he confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. They said to him, Who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who is a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And I did not recognize him, but in order that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. And John bore witness, saying, I have behold the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Lord, help us to be as sure as John. Make the way straight. We believe the prophecy of both the Old and the New Testament has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled at this very moment with God's people, and especially those who are the household of Israel, the Jewish people, because there's a new Israel and a new country today that came about in our lifetime, and all the people, the Jewish people from every place in the world, there have been those that have gone back to Jerusalem and claim it is home. We believe today that the Holy Spirit is working more than he ever has in the past, and there's more evidence of his working right now than has ever been in my lifetime, as all we have to do is be interested and concerned and look around, and we will be able to see something of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Also, we know that it's never before. The evil one, the devil, is working as never before. There has never been such evil filling the world as it is today, right in your lifetime, and mine right now. We believe that on the part of the people of God, there's a hunger 
and thirsting after the wisdom and the words of God as it has not been in the past right now. We also believe that there is an intensified longing on the part of the laws to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to know him as their personal Savior and Lord. We believe that this world in which you and I live today is spinning to some type of a cataclysmic experience. And we are led to believe that it is prophesied within both the Old and the New Testament as it talks about the coming of the end of the age when the battle, the great battle of the Armageddon will be fought. And we believe that that is a possibility even in our own lifetime. It's interesting to note the number of people that we hear talking about the end of time that we never heard talk before. And I heard just this past week a layman talking and he was telling one because of his studying of the scriptures, not a preacher, but a layman, and rightly so, saying that as far as he was able to understand that every scripture has been fulfilled that needs to be fulfilled before the return of the Lord. And I heard not only a layman say that, but I heard not too long ago, I read not too long ago, where one of our leading theologians has made the same statement and prediction. Now, dear friends, I want to ask you a simple question this morning. The answer to it is not too simple in a way, I suppose. But the simple question is, knowing what we know, and knowing what we are experiencing, and seeing what we are seeing, and hearing what we are hearing about the church, and about the fulfillment of time and the coming of a new age, what should you and I be doing? What should we be doing as a church right here, right now? And what should you be doing as a Christian, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, in these days that you and I have together? Now, if we could sort of roll a very short statement of what it's all about and what is our responsibility and our duty... Uh, what would it be? What would it be from a people who are expecting the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lifetime? What would that statement be? You see, we come to this place where we know certain things. And some of us have felt, well, now, if we had lived back in the day of John the Baptist and we'd have been uh, knowledgeable of what was going on, uh, that uh, that would have been a great hour for us to have made our witness. And we feel sorry for those people, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, and the Levites, because they did not understand what was going on as John did. And so eternally, everlastingly, they missed and goofed the greatest opportunity that they could have had, and that is to proclaim the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here you and I come to this place within our life where what we've read, what we hear, and what we see, we know that we're built into some type of a climax within this world of ours. Now, what is our position? And what should you and I be doing today? And what could we say is our main, total, and complete responsibility? Well, dear friends, I can do no better than to say what John said long ago. You see, John knew something, just as you and I know today. He knew something was taking place. He knew God was at work. He had evidence of it. And so he prepared himself. And it's sort of sad in a way because, you see, John knew that his time was at hand, that he had finished his course, and that he had fulfilled his work and responsibility. Now, in some ways it's sad, in some ways it's a very happy, wonderful occasion. And I am sure John viewed it that way also, that he was an instrument in the hand of God, working with God and proclaiming something to the world that was absolutely fantastic and wonderful. I want to tell you something. 
that John hasn't a thing over you and me today. We too are caught up in this business of the eternal kingdom of God. And it seems to me that God has found favor with this generation more than any other. If we want to look at it in a way that he has given us an opportunity to do something that only other people dreamed about, what would it be? Well, one day John, realizing that Jesus was being magnified and he was drawing many people to him, and even John's own disciples began to leave him and go to the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day he looked and he saw the Lord Jesus Christ coming toward him. And the few disciples of John that was left with him, the few friends uh, that were still walking with him, he looked at the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, folks, I don't think we can improve on that. If I had one message to leave with the church in this hour and this day, this would be it. The thing that John said uh, so many years ago, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I do not know anything that should be more at the center of a church and a group of God's people or more at the center of a person's own personal heart and soul than this message right here. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, dear friends, I want to tell you we have the message. We have the message, and we have the right message today. John was pretty bold in his proclamation of his personal message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know certain things about that. We know that he was bold and daring in making this proclamation to those that came to question him because they had it within their power to trick him and to deceive him and to lock him up, in fact. And he made this bold proclamation. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, dear friends, before you can make that type of uh, proclamation, there's one thing that you've got to know, and you've got to know it absolutely, completely, and totally, and that is you've really got to know that this is Jesus Christ is truly the Lamb of God. Now, perhaps this is our dilemma as a church and as individuals. This is why we hesitate. This is why we falter. This is why we do not stand and make our witness today in a bold, daring, creative way. Is simply because we're really not sure within our own personal heart and soul about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, I want to tell you, until we come to the place of the church where we as a church know that Christ is truly the Messiah and he is truly the Savior and he has the answer for this world, sin-sick world in which we live, we're really not going to do too much about it. Now, we'll do a lot of talking and we'll do a lot of fussing around. But we're really not going to put ourselves in a position where we accept the responsibility for the message that's given to us. You know, this the past six weeks, I've been over to seminary here and a four-hour course. And listening to one of our leading men of our time talk about the things of the church. And in talking with some of the other men in the class, I found that there was a church here in the city of Louisville that's been without a preacher for about three to six months. I want to say six months, but I would hesitate to say it's that long. But somewhere six months or even better. This church has been without a preacher. And one of the great things about that church is, would you believe that that church is growing like mad? Now, do you realize the implication of that statement? As a preacher do. Because, you see, we think that the church can't be what it needs to be and, and can't continue to grow and, and add souls to the kingdom of God if it doesn't have some type of leadership. 
When you and I come to the place where we will accept the responsibility that comes to us as Christians, I want to tell you our church and any church will do precisely and exactly what that church is doing, you see. Because, you see, I accept the responsibility then for proclaiming to this world, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, we're caught in all kinds of programs uh, here within our world and, and in our country, and, and they're all good. But it is not that we need more education or more slum clearance or bigger barns or more power or military or otherwise, or we need the health programs or another place in which to live. We need all these things, but that is only a symptom of the problem within our society. When we come to the place where we will really get a hold of the real thing that is wrong with our society, we'll come to the place where we will see that the message of John is an absolute for us today. Behold the Lamb of God. How many of these problems would be taken care of completely and totally if we had a land filled with people who were proclaiming, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I remember this man so very well early in my ministry that they staked to try to cut across his little farm and take part of it to make a road out of. And he got his shotgun and took his chair and went out there and literally sat down where the engineers and the surveyors wanted to come through and he wouldn't let them come through. And he raised such a ruckus and was so threatening, the state didn't intimidate him, that they decided the best thing to do was detour around his farm. They didn't touch his farm. I had a great deal of admiration for this man, a great deal of respect. He was a man, he never had a family, he had a wife and she had passed away. And so he was really defending his little home with everything that he had. I was ever surprised about within that year, after he had defended so vigorously his home, that his neighbor went in the house and found him on the floor where he had taken a gun and blown a hole in his head. Who is going to save us from ourselves? Who is it that's going to remove me from and satisfy this dilemma that I am in with myself? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There is only one message for our world, dear friends. It was true in the day of John, and it has grown down through the ages until we come to this age in which you and I live today. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now we have the message. Is there any question in your mind about that? I hope not. Folk, I want to tell you that everything inside of me these years that I have spent doing the work that I have been called to do by God, I know more surely today than ever before in my life, and yet I've been convinced of it all of my life. Well, no, that's wrong. Until I was about 19. <laughs> From that time on, I've been convinced of it. That this is the Lord Jesus Christ that has the answer for this age in which you and I live. And, folk, I want to tell you, time is running out on us. But right now, we have the time. We have the message. And the time is upon us to do what we need to do today for God, for his kingdom, and for the sake of this world in which you and I live. Now, sometimes I wonder about the timing of the Lord, don't you? I remember my daughter. She got quite concerned about the timing of the Lord and the way he does things and time that he does things. And I remember when she graduated from law school, or just before she graduated from law school, she studied and she worked and she slaved and she labored and she finally graduated. She says, now, I hope the Lord doesn't call me this year and gives me an opportunity to 
enjoy some of this education that I have. Well, I thought, well, now, you know, that would be bad if you went through all this intense training and study, and then three days later the Lord called you. I'd wonder about that, you know. Well, anyway, time is on our side right now. It is not that the time has run out for you and for me, uh, that we are in a situation right now, right today, in which you and I have the opportunity and the time to do those things that you and I know that we ought to do. I'm thinking about the man that had great plans for his life, and he grew ill, and the doctors told him, prepare to die. His preacher went to see him. And a man said that he had other plans for his life than to die. He said, but my life is in the hand of God. And if this be what it needs to be, then I bow to the will of God. Time is over. Time has run out. Finished. It is done. Now, folks, your life and mine is in the hand of a living God, whether we realize it or know it or not. Now let us then do what we need to do in a creative way that we can do it this very day. Let us not be too concerned about what happened yesterday or what might happen tomorrow, but let us, you and I, be together today doing what we know that we ought to do because we have this time together today. And, folk, I want to tell you something that I am just as sure of as I am that I have life, and I'm standing here talking to you this morning, and that is one of these days, dear friend, we are going to be called apart just as sure as I'm standing here. I was told no later than Saturday by one that was here at the church. I was thinking in terms of joining the church. And her husband received the word that prepare himself, he's being transferred to Florida. One of these days, somewhere or another, you and I are not going to be together anymore. But today, we have time. Now in the last place, we have the message and we have the time. There's one other thing that I think that we need to concern ourselves with and, and be part of, and that is how are we going to do it? The how is what concerns me. How are we going to say, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world? Well, that's a complex situation. That is, will be as different as our people here this morning. There's no living soul that I know of upon the face of this earth can tell you precisely and exactly how you need to say this Behold the Lamb of God. There must be a million different ways to say it, as many different people as try to make this statement. How are we going to say it? I do not know. But to close with, some facts for you to consider. I think in the first place that we ought to cease this business of trying to defend our faith. We're at the place of where we need to make an attack. Sometimes I'm reminded when I think of the church about a medieval castle that I've been in, in Germany especially and in France. Where these old castles were built years ago and had a moat around them and a drawbridge, the clan would go inside and flood the moat and, and lock up the drawbridge, and here they would be locked in away from their enemy. And there they would be. I wonder how they got along in there after about two or three weeks, you know, all locked in. Is this our church? Did we come to the place of where that we in a sense, have come within our four walls and we just let this uh, world go by and we accept no responsibility. We feel that we have no responsibility for this world in which we live. We feel that we have no responsibility for the marketplace and the people who go and come and do, or do we? 
My friend, if we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we better be part of it because Jesus was on the street down where men and women were being bought and sold daily. He was out there where they were and accepting responsibility that God had given to him to redeem these people. And you and I have been no less commissioned, and we have been given a responsibility to make our witness to these people wherever we are and whenever we have an opportunity and a possibility to do just that. Or do we come to the place where we have forgotten who our enemy really is? Now, you know, I discovered something as a soldier. When we were on the front line, every soldier was just as kind and considered to one another as they could possibly be. They were just wonderful to one another. Of course, I was wonderful all the time. But these other guys, you know, when you get down and they're throwing shells and at you and explosions going off around about you, you know, someone wanted to talk to you, you talked. And if no one wanted to talk to you, you talked to somebody else. And you just kind and considered, shared whatever you had. Move them back behind the lines and give them a rest for two weeks. And I would guarantee you after seven days, they would be fighting one another. And that is why that they never pulled a group of soldiers out of the line and kept them over one week behind the line because they got to fighting one another. Is that the church? Do we come to this place where we have forgotten who the enemy really is? Have we forgotten what we're called to do and what we're called to be? Have we forgotten our message that God has given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ? Have we forgotten what John was called to do? Have we forgotten what we were called to do to be the one who proclaims as the Lord Jesus Christ as being the Messiah, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And then I think we ought to be able to say it with a great deal of enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Just right out, share enthusiasm. You know, I, I was thinking this past week about one of the most unusual couples that I have ever met in my life. I can almost remember the day that she called me on the telephone and she asked me if I was a preacher of the church. And I said, a Methodist preacher. I said, yes, ma'am, ma'am. And she said, well, I'd like to talk to you. Well, the way she talked on the telephone, I thought, now this poor soul, she's really down and out. She said, I could just tell by listening to her that she was just in serious trouble and needed the church to help her. Never been to church before because she didn't know me, didn't recognize my voice, and I didn't know her. And so the lady came to church and we sat down and had a talk. Was I ever surprised? Part of it, that is. She wanted to get married. And uh, she was about the most toned-down, laid-back person to get married I've ever seen in my life. So I said, how did you meet your husband? And she says, well, he works on the towboat that runs up and down the Ohio River. To go from here to New Orleans or wherever he had to go took five weeks. And she said, I met him by staying on the Ohio River bank, waving at him when he went by. And then five weeks later, when he'd come back, I'd wave at him. I wondered in my mind and have ever since how in the world did they get together and talk it over to get married well they were just not the kind of people you'd think was going to get married they were just too slow you know now you contrast that with this I remember a little girl that I had in a church and she was a lovely young lady she was about uh, 16 or 17 ready to graduate from high school and somehow or another she and the Lord just got together and I mean she was turned on and she was a dynamic very dynamic young person, just fantastic. And, and she told me, she says, you know, I think the Lord's called me to the foreign mission field, and I want to prepare myself for that. And so she went away to college. And about the second or third year I've forgotten, I was at another church, and coming down the long hall in that church, I was nearly bowled over with two or three young people, and this young lady was one of them, and she'd grown up, so I hardly realized uh, who I was talking to, and she just nearly ran me down. 
And she was really enthusiastic about the situation, and I could see by looking at her big smile on her face and a thousand stars dancing in her eyes. I thought to myself, she must have it all worked out, and she's going to that foreign mission field, you know. And then she told me, she called me aside, she said, please want to talk to you. She says, I tell you, she says, I've met the most wonderful person I've ever met in my life. And he says, he's right here today, and I'm going to college with him, and says, we're in love, and says, uh, we're going to get married. And I could tell the way she was talking. She said, I want you to meet this young man. And I knew that she thought my life wouldn't be complete until I met this young man. <laughs> I could just tell the way she was talking. And was ever surprised to find that he was just another human being like the rest of us. But not to her. Oh, not to her. It was beautiful. And so we sat down and have a cup of coffee together. And I talked about it. I said, what about this foreign mission business that we were, used to be talking about? She says, well, I'm doing the next best thing. I'm marrying a Methodist preacher. <laughs> Home missions. <laughs> well... And they got married. And it was wonderful. Now, folk, I'm talking about enthusiasm. How can we come to the place where we have this tremendous message that God has given to us, and we have this knowledge, this understanding, we have this time, and we have people to talk to, and yet we drag around about it? When will we come to the place to say, with all the enthusiasm, commitment, and dedication that we have, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world and will take your sins away? The world is dying for this kind of a message. Now, in the last place, not only enthusiasm, but I think we ought to have some commitment and dedication. Some commitment and dedication. There's one man that comes to my mind, and I, along with two other preachers, held his funeral here several weeks ago. Now, it was interesting what those other two preachers thought about this layman. Just a layman within a church, if there is such a thing just as a layman. Here's this layman within his church. And I was interested in, because I was his first preacher when he joined church, to hear what these other preachers had followed me at that church, what they had to say about this man. Now here was an old preacher, a middle-aged preacher, and a young preacher. I won't say who the old preacher was, of course. And, but here was an old preacher, a middle-aged preacher, and a young preacher. The young preacher was at the, his church at that time. I am sure here was a conservative person, and here was one that was liberal in his thinking, and up-to-date in his thinking because he was a young person. And here this man, we all agreed, not that we sat down and talked about it as such, but we agreed to the commitment and dedication of this person, that regardless of his preacher, regardless of what was going on within the church, that this person was in his place, accepted his responsibility to be a servant within that church, and as he had opportunity to over the years, he taught a Sunday school class. Regardless of who his preacher was, regardless of the message that was coming from the pulpit, and all of them, I'm quite sure, was good and on target, but this man had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, a commitment and dedication that it didn't make any difference who else or what else was going on within the church. He had a responsibility, and he carried it out. Now, folk, I want to tell you something. When we, as the children of God, come again in these last days, where you and I will accept the responsibility that comes to us, whatever it is, and fulfill that responsibility, I'm going to tell you at the very heart of it, some way, somehow, some way, you're going to say, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Oh, my God. If we are in these last days, help us to see it, to know it, and to act upon it, each one of us. For we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.
Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 